Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. It's time for your Elon Daily. It's September 9th, and it is a Monday, in case you forgot. I don't know why I tell you what day it is. It seems a little bit silly. You know, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole world is the New York Times Daily. It's called The Daily. It's one of the most listened to podcasts in the planet. And the reason I like it is because it is so incredibly well done. In fact, it's stunning to me that you can have a daily podcast so well produced, but it turns out they do have a lot of uh, producers, directors, and they have a lot of support behind it, but it's exceptional. And it's exceptional because they do not do what sort of I've been doing on Elon Daily. Here's uh, six different little stories to talk about quickly. They talk about one story, but in more detail than you would get in a normal daily podcast. And they do it, like I say, exceptionally well. So instead of just sort of hearing about the prince of Saudi Arabia for five seconds with no context like you might get on a normal news service, they'll go into it in fairly you know, reasonable detail for about 15 to 20 minutes. So it's that mix of, you know, you're getting a lot of information, but you're not you know, putting away two hours on a documentary kind of a thing. So I'd like to do more of that on Elon Daily. And today, what I want to do is talk about 1.5 and 12. 1.5 and 12. And uh, you've been hearing a lot of those numbers, 1.5 and 12, during the Democratic debates. Did you watch the Democratic debates on sort of climate change? No, of course you didn't, because it was basically unwatchable. I think really important, but it was like seven hours. I tried to catch the high points and actually sat down initially to start watching. I'm like, this is not going to work out. My eyes and ears are bleeding. It was just too long. But I do like the idea that this is uh, such an important thing and that every one of those Democratic candidates got it and really sort of, if not differentiated themselves from each other, differentiated themselves from the current Republican Party. So that's really important to me. If you listen to this show, you know that that's what this the whole thing's about. That's what Tesla's all about. But what is this 1.5 and 12 that they kept talking about. Well, 1.5 is the degrees of warming that we want to stay below. So since pre-industrial times, we've gone up by about one degree. We've caused about one degree of warming. And we know that if we get to two degrees of warming, then it is really catastrophic. It is a disaster, according to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is this intergovernmental panel of thousands and thousands of scientists from across the world looking at peer-reviewed literature, trying to come up with a sort of a plan, an idea of what the heck's going on here. It's sort of the best information we have. My only criticism of this panel is that it tends to be actually incredibly conservative. It tends to take all the data and look at sort of a best case scenario. And every time this panel gets together and they look at the data again, the data becomes so overwhelming they have to say, you know what we said four years ago, three years ago, two years ago? It's actually worse than that. And so that's why, because they're conservative, they don't want to be seen as sort of being hysterical. Every time they come out with one of these panel reports, it's almost always much worse than the one before, which is a little bit frightening. So they say, you know, we've always talked about two degrees of warming is sort of a catastrophe. Can we think about 1.5 degrees of warming? What would we need to do to keep it at 1.5 and would that be enough? Well, it turns out that even 1.5 degrees of warming, that's the average global temperature increase across the whole planet, 1.5 over pre-industrial temperatures, is also a bit of a disaster, but it's a sort of a survivable disaster. You're going to have huge amount of heat waves and ocean rise and worsening storms dropping more water, but it's something that we could sort of deal with. Here's some of the numbers. At 1.5 degrees of warming, the IPCC, that's hard to say, report, says that about 1.7 billion more people will experience severe heat waves of at least uh, once every five years. And these heat waves can kill a lot of people, and we're seeing them already. 
big, gigantic heat waves that last for a long time and hurt a lot of people. Seas will rise on average about another 4 inches, about another 10 centimetres at 1.5 degrees. Several hundred million more people will be exposed to the risks of climate poverty and other climate events. Coral reefs that support the marine environment around the world will decline as much as, get this, 99%. The Great Barrier Reef, gone. It's already going right now. Global fishery catcheries will decline by another 1.5 million tonnes per year. And so how do you compare this to sort of what we have been talking about, which is two degrees? Here's just some numbers. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. But we talked about severe heat waves, a 14% increase in severe heat waves at 1.5 degree global warming. If you get to two degrees, you're talking about over twice that, 37%. And the risk of uh, lots of plants dying because of extreme heat when it's 1.5 degrees, you've got an 8% chance. At two degrees, it's more like 18%. So that's why the scientists are saying, you know, two degrees global average temperature rise is a complete disaster. What about 1.5? Can we keep it at 1.5? And a lot of this doesn't talk about anything about mass uncontrolled migration, which many people believe, including the U.S. military, is the single biggest threat from climate change. Yeah, sea level rise is bad and worsening storms is bad and all of this stuff is bad. But in terms of what could be the biggest disaster, huge uncontrolled migration because certain areas of the world which are currently really populated are going to have no rainfall or completely screwed up rainfall and uh, crops that are going to fail and if you want to see a global disaster you watch it when all of these people go north go away from the poles to try and survive and bring their children and do what any of us would do you think that there's sort of a migration issue at the border right now just imagine hundreds of millions to billions of people fleeing areas of the world which are just no longer inhabitable. Well, the U.S. military has looked at that, and they consider this an enormous threat to U.S. national security. So we have to, if for no other reason, limit this rise in temperature. Otherwise, there is going to be wars. There's going to be disasters. We all know this, right? 1.5 degrees is where we could potentially, potentially, you know, avoid some of the worst stuff. It's still going to be bad, but some of the worst stuff. And here's where the 12 comes in, because these same scientists in their last review said we have to therefore reduce carbon dioxide production by 45%. 45% in the next about 12 years. By 2030, we have to basically halve the amount of CO2 that's going in the air. And that's not enough. If you read further, it says, and then we have to start sequestering. And there's a lot of different techniques you can do for that. But the single best one is probably planting more trees. And so all of this doesn't say anything about the other thing that we're seeing right now, which is a huge amount of deforestation, particularly in the Amazon rainforest with all of these sort of out of control fires. And there's a whole daily, the daily podcast, New York Times Daily, on that deforestation in Amazon. And you really do need to listen to it because it is a disaster for the entire planet. If they deforest the Amazon the way the right wing government there would really like to do, because it's a huge amount of very fertile land and they could put cows in there and they could sell it. And so just from a purely financial point of view, deforest, like we've deforested the rest of the world, makes financial sense. And at the same time, who are we in the rest of the world to say to a sovereign nation, you can't do this thing? So really complicated stuff. So they're the numbers. 1.5, that's what we want to try and you know stop the earth going over 1.5 degrees of uh, rise in temperature from pre-industrial times. We're already at one and we're already seeing all of these effects. If we get to two, other complete disaster. 
And we've got about 12 years to significantly, radically reduce the amount of CO2 that we produce and then start sequestering the crap out of it in the next 12 years. So can we do that? And before you answer the correct response, which is probably not, just know that the same scientists and many others have recognized that we can do it. We have the physics, we have the chemistry, and we certainly have the industrial knowledge in order to do that. But it is going to require sort of a World War II-like Herculean global change in the way we do business. So we could, in theory, pull this off and plant a hell of a lot of trees and do some other stuff. But will we do that? That is the big question. Do we have the political will? Human beings, we're really, really not very good at looking at things dispassionately, scientifically, extending them out over long periods of time and doing the right thing. We are just really poor at that. It's going to take a tremendous amount of political will. But we have done it before. We did it with the Montreal Protocol to save the ozone layer, where I believe every single nation on Earth signed on to that. It made a huge difference. We need to do that again. Talk to you tomorrow.